0: He said to be ready at a moment's notice, so this is the moment, okay? Uh, I will say this, as I told Pastor Friday, as I sat with him and talked with him uh, at lunch, I know few men that I would be willing to sit under as pastor. I've preached, this is, what, man, 40 years or more? And it's hard, but when I hear him preach... I hear the depth of study that he has done. I hear the sincerity of his voice. And I know the life backs up every word that comes from his mouth. Would you say amen to that? Amen. So this morning, now I will not lie to you, I love to preach. But it you, uh, you know, you always feel awkward when you preach for someone that should be filling the pulpit. So uh, bear with me this morning, uh, and we will look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 12. It's amazing what pastor... You know, I I said nothing to pastor about what I would preach, not one word. Uh, And yet this morning he talked about intentional hearing did you read the passage with him and then he said I hope you will be here to hear the word in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 12 we read this our verse let's start with verse 10 and Moses commanded them saying at the end of every seven years in the solemnity of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles, very special time, very special time. Every seven years they released debt. It was, it was like they were being released from Egypt. All the bondage was gone. And he said, When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law... Before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger. Oh my, I wish I could spend about three hours with you on that one word. It would make a difference in our hearts about the people outside those doors. Gather the people together, men and women and children and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as he live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. Now, in the first part of this chapter, he speaks very strongly to the children of Israel about the fact that there's something big coming. And, of course, we know what that is, don't we? It was the taking of the land. And he told them in no uncertain words, You must do this. Do not fail to do this. But we also know that he warned them that there would be great tragedy if they did. Uh, It is probable that Moses wrote this as a farewell to the people of Israel. After so many years of leading, pleading, scolding, warning, and defending this people. Doesn't that sound like being a mother and a father? That's exactly what he was. Great father to them. As a matter of fact, they looked to Moses as their father. In his effort to maintain this overwhelming relationship that he has been given by God. Now keep in mind, if I told you I want you to go to the nation of the United States... I want you to tell them that you're from God and I want you to lead them into the promised land of who they should be. Uh, You would probably look at me uh, and go, I don't think so. But Moses took the challenge from God, although he did it in a way which was not necessarily good. He argued with God. He sought to, in some way, uh, put away, diminish this call. And uh, keep in mind that uh, this relationship that he had with them uh, brought him into some of the greatest experiences that any man has ever had. First of all, we know that uh, he had fled Egypt, and for 40 years he was in dormancy. In other words, he was not serving God, he was serving himself. He was taking care of sheep on the backside of a desert. He was subservient to those that were over him. He was willing to assume that position. But within a period of time, he would become the greatest leader ever known. If you say the name Moses it rings in the Jewish synagogue. If you say the name Moses, it rings in Islamism. If if you say the name Moses, it is one of the sacred names uh, in all of Christendom. Moses delivered his people. And he's got a last message that he wants to give. Uh, And this message, he said, I want you to uh, take this message And every seven years, I want you to bring the people together. Uh, This message is very important. Obviously. Because this is going to be a ritual. If you remember, they found the Word of God after they returned from the captivity. And they brought all the people together. They made a pulpit. And from that pulpit... The Word of God was read, and the people stood. Have you ever wondered why a pastor has a stand for the reading of the Word of God? That's why. We stand in reverence to the Word. And for the most part, they were probably reading much of the books that Moses wrote. Why? Because it was long since they had done that. Together, Which was a command of Moses, don't forget. Do you know why you come to church on Sunday morning? You come to church on Sunday morning for one more time that we stand and we say, we believe this word. We support our God who gave this word. And as we stand, and in those brief moments we read five to ten verses, always even verses, you notice. We acclaim with all our hearts, this is the word of God Almighty. And here we take our stand. We can do no other. I stand. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great that pastor thinks of us like that? So the next time he says, stand, uh, why don't we pop to a little bit of attention? Why don't we look and say, I'm so thankful that my pastor has me read the word of God with him. And I stand here in opposition to everything that is in opposition to this word. That was the whole idea. In this time where he fought and struggled with these children of Israel, according to the first part of the chapter... He also had the mountain experience where God put him in the cleft of the rock. And as he passed by, he saw the hindermost parts of God. With every demanding ministry, there is always the marvelous blessing that ends it or that maintains it. He had enjoyed that. He walked off of that mountain as no other man had ever done. And he became a wonderful part of the history of the world. Not just Israel. Because he gave God's ten simple commandments. No man before him had ever received such honor. But Moses did. That man that at the burning bush? Wouldn't you like to have a burning bush experience? What a thought! And God says, Moses, I'm going to give you that. He said, Paul, I'm going to give you that. You're going to be blinded by what you're going to see. But in being blinded, you're going to see forever the truth. And both Moses and Paul proclaimed the Word of God Moses wrote the most influential five books of the Bible. And Paul wrote 14, if you believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. So I'll leave that one alone. God's burning bush changes lives. This message of his is so important. This is a renewal to the obedience of God to God after the failure to enter the promised land. This is a renewal to obedience to the law of Moses. This is a renewal of bringing their children to a path of obedience. Oh my. You see, it's not just hearing the word. It's so our children will. My wife... Thank God for her. I I would be nothing without her. She takes care of me like you wouldn't believe. But she'll bring the grandchildren and she'll have them sit in that pew and she'll tell them right. And they sit there and they write pastor's message as it comes up on there. The older they get, the more they did. All of our boys sat and wrote every one of my messages because of her. They heard the word. And Moses said, let the children hear the word so that they will hear and learn to fear and to do. You know, the problem that we have is we don't transmit things. And many times our children do not receive it. Oh man, get on your knees. You have no control over that. Get on your knees and pray for those children. That was important to God. That's why Moses put it in this verse that we read. That the children may hear. You're here today for the sake of your children. What an important moment we have here. This is the transmission of the message of God. We have stood, we have read, we have confirmed our belief, and now we are in the process of the transmission of God's Word to the most important element of this church, and that that is the young people and the children. Oh, that God would strike our hearts with the importance of these moments. May it be a time that we cherish. May it be a time that we are so glad that we have been in the house of the Lord. It is commemorative. In chapter 1, Uh, Now, these are the commandments, or I'm sorry, verse 1. These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you." you. Do you realize that? These are the words. It is commemorative because every seven years, it will commemorate the leadership of Moses. They will never forget Moses. They haven't to this day. It will commemorate the leadership of Joshua during a time in which they were searching for the ultimate for God. As you come to this church, you hear these words, they lodge in your heart. I was listening to a preacher uh, this week preach and he said, I pray you know, some seed fell on stony ground and it was stolen. Or Jesus uh, said that the Satan came and stole the word from their heart. He said, I just pray every day that between the doors of the church and their car in the parking lot, that Satan does not steal the word that they have heard. Hearing is important, folks. Every seven years, it will commemorate the loyalty of of Israel to God. Every seven years, it will commemorate. You know, we uh, in our family, we use events to commemorate, to read. I love it when our family comes together. It's about every three to seven years when all of us can get together. The house is overrun with kids. I'm sitting there. I'm as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. They're going to argue. They're going to fight. You know how it is. But they don't. Our grandkids really get along with each other. And so it's a big time. And I gather everybody around. And the first thing that I do is I tell them that Jesus... I tell them the gospel story, just like I was witnessing to somebody. I want them to hear that story so many times that if they were asked, they could repeat it. And I ask them right there in that room, as we're sitting there, I will say some of you have already received this message, but some of you are just becoming aware of it. It means something. When it does, it's time to be saved. And then, as kids will do, hands will start popping up, you know. Oh, I did that. It's like a revival meeting. You feel good about it, you know. I just preach the best message of the year to the best people on earth. Hopefully it builds loyalty. It will commemorate God's unfailing faithfulness to Israel. Oh my. (laughs) Has God been good to you? I hope that you keep a record of it. Please do. You ought to have a file someplace on your computer. Or if you love notebooks. Pastor loves notebooks. He brings notebooks and he, he writes everything down. And I think Melanie does all of the computer. He loves to write things down. I have a list. It's so long now I can't even pray over it. In the Old Testament, it talks about remembering the goodness of God. And I have that verse over the top of it. And any time that I feel like a pity party is in order, I go right there. And I realize, oh my goodness, I remember when this happened. You won't believe this. And I write down every one of those things. I remember when people got saved. I remember when people were sick. We've got a man right now in Honduras. And we're making sure that he gets the... That his surgery is paid for. He came to one of our clinics. The pastor vouched for him. And said this is a man. That we ought to help. And so he needed hip surgery. I write that down. Had a man call me on the phone. This week. uh, And he said hey. uh, Are you folks doing anything in Kentucky. For the flooding. I said sure am. Now. Now. About six years ago, there was a flood that went through South Carolina and Columbia. And his church, the oldest Baptist church in the United States, the building, it's the oldest church in the United States that they know of. It's under the registry. He could not rebuild the church except he get permission from the United States government. And it had to be restored just like it was in the day that it was made. It's taken him six years to restore that. I went and preached for him. Had the time of my life. He called me and said, well, you're not going to believe this, but the church is just about totally restored. He said, I just wanted to thank you. He, now, his church just three years ago took up $6,000 and sent it for another church. That had been destroyed. He was calling this time. Because his church remembered. The days of their flood. When their church. Was completely washed away. And we sent 30 something people. To help them. To shovel the mud. To get that all cleaned up. We sent money to buy furniture. We sent money to buy uh, appliances. For their kitchen in their Older building that was attached to this historic monument. He said, just wanted to call. We've taken a little offering, and we'd like to help the church in Kentucky. Well, I've got a church where it's filled with mud. They're now meeting in an old school. Not adequate, but it'll do. They'll probably grow. Uh, Churches usually do during this time. Oh, I could tell you the stories. The things that I remember. I can say to you this day, God Almighty was with us in the desert. God Almighty provided the manna. God Almighty provided the water. God flooded the Egyptian army, I can tell you those moments, and then I can show you the victories. I wrote them down. this commemorates all the goodness of God to the nation of Israel. And once every seven years, I imagine they might have done it just a little bit more as part of a family unit. But once every seven years, the people all came together, and there they heard the word of God. Let me read the last part once again of our passage. Gather the people together. Now that means something now, doesn't it? Gather the people together, men and women and children and thy stranger that is within thy gates that they may hear, that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe. It means to keep The doing, going. Observe to do all the words of the law. Four things here, very simple things. Uh, I will cover those things very quickly. I promise you I'll not draw this out. As soon as I get my message part here. Let's talk about the hearing. Now, I want you to get in your mind this. This is how you maintain a life. I don't like the words on fire. I I don't know what that means. Do you? I guess it's the burning bush life. That's the only thing I can say. I just simply say that to us common people, this is the way, walk ye in it. If you want to know more about the Lord, this is the way, walk ye in it. If you want God's blessings, this is the way, walk ye in it. If you say, I wish I knew God better, this is the way, walk ye in it. Now, there are four things here. The first thing is to hear, the next thing is to learn and fear and do. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Now let's talk about this hearing for a minute. This is so important. Because we're going to go to James at the end. I'll refer to it. I'm not going to have you turn because we're going to be close on time. Believe me. This is the first message I ever preached in this church. That was years and years ago. How many of you remember it? Oh god bless your soul. You can I'm writing that down in my book of remembrance. I got news for you. First message I ever preached. This has been my lifelong walk in it. Now, this word here is responsive hearing. Uh, Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord, and they heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Have you ever heard the voice of the Lord? You know, you have, and sometimes you hide, don 't you? There is a response. Then it's an expression of obedience. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. He was obedient to his wife before he was obedient to God. You see, hearing brings response. Faith cometh by what? You want to have good responses, have good hearing. On this side... Uh, As I get older. By the way, yesterday was my birthday. You believe that? Had a great time. I read uh, (laughs) books. Had a great time. It is an expression of earnest attention. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And she followed that. And later she would say, the Lord seeth me. Remember when she was cast out? The Lord seeth me. Understanding to be drawn from these passages would be this. Moses was telling the people that they should hear all that God says with an intent to respond. Do you come to the services with absolutely no intention of walking out a different person? That's why you come. That's why it's important for your children Because they see daddy changing all the time as he hears the word. Moses was telling the people that they should obey all that God commanded. God was telling the people that they should give earnest attention. So when we start on the pathway of walk ye in it, it is here. This is not a waste of time. This is the most important moments of your life. And today in our churches, if we can get it down to just a small amount of time, we are so happy. Let us out. We do not want to sit and listen so long. The old I was reading a book today, one of the church fathers. He would preach anywhere from 45 minutes to 2 hours. And the people loved him so much, they called him the golden mouth. And literally, he was. So we hear, and then we learn. That means we take into our heart what we've heard. Are you learning today with me? And then as we learn, forgive me, I'm slower today. learning requires hearing and then or I'm sorry fear and then when we fear the Lord you know what we're going to do everything he says I feared my aunt when I was growing up I lived with her and if she told me to go out and rake the yard I better do it aggressively or she'd go get a switch and I tell you what She would take my hand and she would start switching me and I'd start running. And we went around in so many circles, it amazes me she was ever able to stand up. But I guarantee you when she said, now that rake is not moving fast enough. You get that rake going, buddy. Now thank God, God's not that way. You know what this word fear means? To reverence. To think so much of that your heart would almost cease to function if you failed Him. And so we very obediently go and do. We keep. Right now, you don't know how much you've changed since the day you got saved. You're keeping information in your mind that when something comes across Your path, your mind's like a little computer. It runs and all of that stuff that you thought you weren't getting any value of, all of a sudden floods and you bring it down, you refine it, you put in the extra searches and you find the truth because it's there in you. Because pastor, day after day, week after week, moment after moment was steadfast and true and always ready to preach. I have never seen him walk into the pulpit unprepared. Anybody here seen that? How many of you would say amen? He's always prepared. Yeah. Yeah. That's a man you better honor. I wish he were here. At the end of this message, I'd have him stand right here. And it would be a two-hour procession. I've done that for pastors. And the church just simply breaks and cries. And they come and they grab their pastor. And oh my, they weep with him. And they love him. You know what that does for a pastor? After this message today, I hope that you will take his hand. I hope that you will lift him up and you will say, Pastor, I am not flattering you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the word. Yesterday as we were sitting and talking, I said, Pastor, one thing I can be assured of. You preach the word. And I was so thankful to say that. And I looked at him and I told him, I said, I'm not flattering you, Pastor. I'm telling you my heart. You see, the problem is, it's like when you first got saved. Man, I tell you, when I first got saved, my pastor had said, have your devotions standing on your head. It would have been hard, but I would have tried. Why? I was just so eager. I'd never heard these words. This was new. And so I learned. Oh, I learned so many things from my pastor in the pulpit and out. I was just a young boy. 14 years of age. I remember they showed a missions video and the, the, the missionary said, and these people stay drunk all the time. Well, I laughed. And nobody else was laughing. And I was so embarrassed. Never did that again. I learned. Because everybody's head goes like this, you know. I thought it was funny at that time. I don't think it's funny today. Oh, that God would break the hold of liquor over the hearts and bodies of men. And I learned. Oh, my, I learned. And I never failed to come to church. 14 years old, I'd get on my bike and I'd ride all the way to church. In those days, you could do that. You didn't have to worry about the law system not working and putting people back out on the streets that would steal little boys and little girls. And boy, when my preacher would preach, I'd be right down that aisle. I didn't know any better. I didn't realize that mature Christians never come to the altar. And so down that aisle I'd come. And I remember that old church had wooden benches. Wooden everything. And man, I'd get on my knees and as a 14-year-old I'd tell the Lord, you know, what are you telling? You don't have a lot of experiences. But I'd say, Lord, I want to do that. And then I would go do it. I remember he talked about we need to be soul winners. So I went home afterwards and I witnessed to my whole family at the lunch table. Sunday dinner. I said, I want every one of you to come to church. I want you to come down that aisle and I want you to get saved. Bad move. <laughs> oh, but it was the right thing. It was the amen thing, wasn't it? And they said, well, that's kind of personal. And then I understood what I was facing. It was different. But you know something? It didn't stop me. Because I came to hear again. I wanted to know what he had to say. I wanted to hear every word he had to say. And I learned... And as I learned, I wanted so much to be obedient to the one that was the most important person in my life, the Lord Jesus. And as I feared, I would do. Learning and fearing should be one thing. you realize that? In, most, in many uh, translations, you'll find there's only three words here. Hear, learn to fear, and observe to do. Just three. In the King James and uh, New American Standard and some other versions, they put four in. Hear, learn, fear, do. I like the one in the King James personally. But you know what happens to us? Pretty soon, we come into church. We yawn. We go back out. Go home and really get interested in things that are important. How would the Panthers do? You wonder if the Braves are winning. You wonder if the boat's okay, so you go out and work on it. You go wash the car, clean the floors. And you don't even... Think, You don't even observe doing. And then when that happens, all you're doing is fearing with no obedience. And you have to cut this off. Because you can't live long in a church where every time you come in, it is a guilt trip. Because you know the last thing that was preached you're not doing and you haven 't been doing things for years, and so then we cut that off that 's called callousness, and over we go, and the way we walk you in it gets a shorter path, and all we do is learn oh we 're so happy. Pastor, now what does that word mean? And, uh, you know, what about the wart on the frog on the log in the bottom of the sea there in Exodus? What does that wart stand for? What's the analogy, Pastor? And some of you today will sit and go to every seminar you can think of. You'll pay money for every book you can read. And you come back in and you say, Pastor, this was one of the most important things I've ever done. I'm so glad I learned this. And in the pastor's mind, he said, Yeah, I, I preached three messages on that. Did you not hear any of it? He says it in his mind. If he said it out loud, he wouldn't last long. There would be a movement in the church to find him a new place. Because he's causing the boat to shake. He's making motion. And when we're in that learning mode, we feel so proud of ourselves. The Baptists have seminars on everything. Did you know that? They have seminars on ushers. They have seminars on deacons. They have seminars on wives, husbands children, finances. And I could go on and on and we rush so valiantly because all we're doing is learning. No fear. Learning doesn't require fear, but it should because if you read this Hebrew passage, it should. And pretty soon... We're like the Dead Sea. You know why they call it the Dead Sea? (laughs) It's dead. Nothing lives in it. We've been taking in all this wonderful learning and never giving anything out. And so when we sit in the church, all we're doing is hearing. That's all. And pretty soon, you can tell me how many lights are on the ceiling without looking. You can tell me how many pews there are because you've counted them all while you were waiting for the pastor to get through. You've rearranged the pulpit several times. You've thought about the colors of the auditorium. It would be so much better if it was this. You've thought about the lighting. You've thought about everything but what the word says. Man, as I listen to Pastor, my wife will get on to me, and I know it's wrong. I'm, I'm sorry for it. I'm admitting it now. Pastor, if you're watching this, I'm at the altar, okay? Pastor will say something, and my little phone has my Lagos. Uh, thank you very much, brother. My phone has Lagos, and all of a sudden, it's like lightning. Something he says just I gotta find it. I gotta find out the connection. I gotta see, is this word the same as the word he's using? And so bingo, I'm I'm going. Now I'm listening, I'm waiting for that next explosion. But pretty soon. We're not even on the path. Because you see, okay, yeah, that was a great one. Thank you, Pastor. Boy, you really stepped on my toes. and folks, when you get out of the path of walking in it, you're in trouble. So I would like to recommend to you that today you have heard. Maybe I've pricked you just a little bit and made you listen a little better. I hope that you have learned something from the book of Deuteronomy and especially the dynamics of developing, growing, And processing information to obedience. And boy, right now, you're sitting out there and you're saying, Lord, I need to change this. Oh, how I want to live in that pathway. I want every week that Sunday would be the most important day of my life and of my children and of my family, and of my future, and that I would come back here and stand and read the Word. Not slackly, as some others might do, but that I would read it with intensity and purity of heart. And I would divorce myself from anything that would displease the One that I love. And if I have left my first love, oh Lord, allow me to come back today. Allow me to find that place that used to play such an important role in my life. I love Him. You wake in the morning and say, Lord, I love You. And then, miraculously, it's back to the doing. Oh, pastor has to write special plans for you because you're doing so much and growing. You've got so many questions. You're reading your Bible. It's personal to you. I am obedient. What is better than sacrifice? Somebody tell me. Obedience. James said, be doers of the word. Is that not what he said? And not hearers only. You know what the word hearers means? And I'm closing with this. I know I've been just a little long. Please forgive me. It was used of people who went to a ma- to a auditorium and would sit and they listened and they listened and they listened would you today not be an audience that's what a word means Audience. That's where we got our word, audience. And would you stand with me on the mountainside? And in your mind, can you see Jesus and the people coming by the thousands? And in that day as He taught His disciples, He gave to them one of the greatest treaties that's ever been given and spoken in the ears of people. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Over and over He gave the message. And there was not an audience. There was a group of eager hearers. And people you would never think would change the world. Fishermen. Tax collectors. Some of them unruly. None of them educated. No prior theological training. The most unbelievable crew that could have been picked would take a message That has surrounded this world. They heard. They learned. I know how they loved him. They feared him. And they observed to do all that he said. Would you join with me today? As Pastor talked about hearing intentionally, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> You're sitting at a I gotta write that down. I have to write that one down. He said exactly what these notes said. I couldn't believe it. Before God, I never spoke to him about what I would preach today. Never. I only knew about eight thirty this morning that I might even preach. And I told him this morning, I said, Pastor, don't worry. God has laid a message on my heart. That was before he came in here. And God said, I want you to say this. Now, folks, that's God. I believe it with everything that's in me. I've seen him do it over and over. And today we are in the crucible. Will we change our lives? And and will we go back to those early days where the altar of our heart burned so brightly. Oh my. Whatever was spoken was heard, learned, reverenced, and obeyed. May that be our heart today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, this is the moment of quietness. This is the moment of worship. This is the moment where the altar would be provided. This is the moment where the sacrifice would be provided. The Lord Himself, Abraham said, would be providing the sacrifice. And He took His Son... And he worshiped the Lord there on the mount, the Bible says. Would we this morning worship the Lord by saying, Lord, my heart, although I've loved you, I've grown a little bit indifferent. It's pretty busy out there where I am. But today, I give my heart once again, in newness. And I renew my heart to you. If right now in the quietness of this moment no one looking around, you're praying those words. Would you lift your hand as a sign of encouragement to all of us? God has spoken to my heart. I am making Yes, God bless you. Yes. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, praise the Lord. Yes, yes, praise the Lord. All over. This altar's open right now. I would recommend that it be used. I'm going to ask Brent if he would sing the imitation. Would you do that? All the heads are bowed, please don't sing, don't think, except about the Lord. And if God has really touched your heart, would you for a moment walk down to this altar before everybody and say yes to the Lord about this, as Brent sings.